In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. St. Paul's lessons on charity and our Lord's example of charity and healing provides um, a helpful backdrop. Last week should have been the time when uh, that insert in the bulletin about the Bishop's Lenten appeal was presented to you in detail. I'm sure you took it home and I'm sure you read it, so I don't have to talk about what's in here. Besides, I didn't bring my reading glasses today. But the pledge for the Bishop's Lenten appeal we'll do next Sunday. And we have um, a great many things that will immediately appeal to a lot of us depending on uh, the apostolates we, we support and are actively engaged in. We're fortunate today to be visited by John Paul Heisler, one of our seminarians whose education is being funded by your money to the Bishop's Lenten appeal, but that's not why he's here. Came for the Mardi Gras party. Um, or just a visit, I think. Um, there's the pro-life office, um, family life activities that include more than just pro-life. Um, many, many a great thing. Um, but what I want to observe, perhaps, is, is it's easy to break it down in, in terms of um, being concerned about the truth being proclaimed and, and the, the apostolate of education. Um, going hand in hand with the the corporal works of mercy. Obviously, there's a hierarchy. It's very clear when someone is going through my confirmation program, which John Paul didn't, but his sister did. You did? Oh, wow, he survived. Um, Students don't get credit for doing the corporal works of mercy as a preparation for confirmation. Because that should be happening anyway, and already. What I focus on in confirmation prep is the spiritual works of mercy, trying to save souls. Not to the exclusion of the corporal works of mercy, but as, as an even greater good that needs to be pursued. It's possible that sometimes we neglect... Um, the former for the latter. Sometimes we neglect the corporal works of mercy. Um, perhaps because we just simply assume, well, we're Christians, we're always kind. Or I always, you know, I, I don't neglect people who are, who are in need. Maybe that's how we think of it. Well, the readings uh, and a story that I want to tell you perhaps give us an impetus for being more deliberate. Um, about doing both, teaching the truth and caring for the poor and the sick. Uh, A friend of mine was at the March for Life and beforehand went to uh, one of the masses downtown that um, is one of the many masses that precede the March for Life, and as he and others were emerging from the church, they were accosted by a street preacher. I know two or three of you have heard this story before, but most of you haven't. Um, The March for Life, uh, any papal event, usually bring out um, church haters of a Christian sort or um, Protestant sort. 
um, capitals games, nationals games, usually bring out the same kind of street preacher. And my friend was troubled because the priests who were outside the church weren't, didn't seem to be defending the faith. They, they didn't, didn't seem to have a reply to the street preacher. And it's not, I don't remember exactly if he was blaspheming the Blessed Sacrament or the Blessed Virgin Mary or both, but the way it was described to me, it sounded like sort of a no-brainer, right? Um, so he, um, he um, rolled up to this uh, situation to try to bring it to an end. Um, I say rolled up because he's in a wheelchair. And the street preacher turned on him and verbally attacked him and said, you, you're a cripple. That means you're cursed. You should get away from me. And it didn't stop there. He continued to ridicule him about how if he had faith, he would be healed. If he had faith, Jesus would be able to make him walk. If he only let Jesus make him walk, get up and walk. It just went on and on and on. The easy observation to make is that this person is guilty of believing in some form of the prosperity gospel, which is believed and preached by those Christians who don't understand the cross and resurrection and um, the passing of old rules, but the preservation of the law of God, such that we no longer expect to be rewarded in this life if we are obedient to God. We know to expect suffering, persecution, hatred. We expect to be treated like Christ if we're faithful. And we no longer associate success, power, health, long life, many friends, influence, treasure with reward for having behaved well. And in fact, um, this friend was able to reply that, um, it's, you, you do realize it's not even that simple in the gospel, right? Sometimes Jesus said this, uh, this malady is not punishment for sin. Or there are some occasions where the, the recipient of the miracle was, a, was enough of a believer to be healed, but not enough of a believer to obey Jesus and not talk about the miracle having been received. So they, in fact, all of them, the, the priests and the street preacher uh, marveled a little bit at the biblical knowledge of the man in question. But the, to me, the deeper observation to make, and one that I, I think is worth making to connect it to the Bishop's Lenten appeal in particular, is that the street preacher also is painfully unaware of the fact that grace is mediated through us normally. He obviously thinks that he's simply 
a, a, a bystander observing what he expects to be God reaching down directly and healing that person. Instead of recognizing the, the way that God usually works and the way that God prefers to involve us in his work, how secondary causes are very much a part of the created universe. Not just in physical and material things, but even in spiritual works. God established the church precisely so that his grace and power and healing flow through us to others. It should be obvious to any Bible reader the apostles were able to heal some people, but not others. They were the obstacle. The, 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 the deficiency wasn't in the person who wanted the healing grace. The deficiency was in the minister. Of course, he upbraided them, but, but taught them a lesson. He didn't send them away and say, you're useless. He showed them, this is, this is what you need to do. It, it's more and more am I reminded of, of how what is most essentially Catholic, most essential to the Christian life, is obedience. As I've said before, it's not that we come here simply to hear the truth, because we can, we can read the truth. And we don't come here only to receive valid sacraments, because there are all sorts of unusual places where we can get valid sacraments. We come here because we are part of the body of Christ and part of the church. And we are not only visibly with each other, but we are visibly under a head. We permit ourselves to be governed, even by imperfect people. Imagine that. Yesterday, Brother Paul Clark, Dominican made solemn vows with 12 other Dominican friars. They didn't renew each of their vows. They didn't completely uh, restate the way of life that they intend to live. They just simply made solemn their obedience. It's that simple. And they will always have problems with which to contend. As a solemnly professed, now he can vote. and exert greater, greater influence. But we don't refrain from um, being involved in someone's work because they're not perfect, or from a parish because it's not perfect, or from a diocesan church because it's not perfect. That this mystery of God preferring to work through us, not needing to, but choosing to work through us, is something that we need to be prepared to explain, not just the truths of the Blessed Sacrament and the dignity of the Blessed Virgin Mary, but really what it, what it means to be a minister, what it means to be an ambassador, what it means to be Christian.
So over the next few days before Lent begins, we can make a plan, a plan for our spiritual offering, how we will spend these days of Lent, our corporal offering, kind of penance we will undertake so as not to be further limited by the limitations of hunger or distraction, and also what financial offering we make, what almsgiving will be part of our Lent. We won't We won't have a fruitful Lent unless all three are part of our observance. There was something beautiful and elegant and simple when every believer fasted every day of Lent except for Sundays. There's something beautiful about all of us doing the same thing together, giving alms together, doing the corporal works of mercy together, doing penance together, doing works of charity together, and teaching the truth together. So hopefully our being together around, around the altar gives us a greater desire for that and greater love for each other and greater patience, greater gratitude for God's mercy and greater willingness to extend it. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.